0: Welcome back to Surf Splendor. I'm your host, David Scales, as always. uh, Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate your listenership. I wanted to take a moment before we launch into today's show, which is, of course, Surf News with Scott Bass. Um, I just wanted to take a moment to kind of bring you, the listener, up to speed on behind the scenes, what's going on with Surf Splendor. We pretty much just post episodes every week. And just kind of keep content fresh is the ultimate idea. But I wanted to let you know just that there's, I got kind of exciting and big plans for 2015 and nothing real specific that's worth discussing other than just, I think there'll be a more diverse um, kind of platform or diverse variety of topics, let's say some kind of in-depth reporting or more journalistic approach, I guess, to certain shows. And of course, we plan to incorporate the same shows that we do now, the profile pieces and the surf news pieces, because those are the bread and butter and those have been successful. But I'll start layering in, I think, a little bit more uh, nuanced pieces, maybe more production value kind of on my end, I guess, is what it really comes down to. I've got ideas and things that are in the works and interviews lined up and all that sort of thing. But... If anything pops up in your mind that you would like to hear on this show, maybe some topics that you'd like to hear explored or investigated, please feel free to send that feedback to me uh, or those ideas to me. The email address is hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com, and uh, I will definitely try to implement those. Ideas for interviews with individual shapers and surfers and all that are welcome also. But, you know, maybe there's other podcasts that you listen to that did a particular style of report that, um, that was interesting and that you thought may have application for surf splendor. I'm all ears. That's where a lot of my inspiration comes from and ideas. So, um, that's an open avenue for you guys to help kind of craft the style of the show for 2015 more to come on that you know we're in the beginning of November now so really winding down 2014 which is kind of shocking actually Uh, I remember having a similar conversation like this last year so kind of shocking that we're here already again but exciting times the show's grown a lot since then and uh, I get emails from listeners all over the world which is really incredible So thank you. Keep those emails coming. And of course, just share the show with friends. That's really how it grows and how uh, you've helped it grow up until this point. So continue doing that. I appreciate that. And uh, without really babbling too much more, well, I guess we will be babbling for the entire next hour, but enough for the introduction. Without further ado, here is today's episode of Surf News. I'll be back at the end to sign us off. Thanks for listening.
1: Hey now, yeah guy, welcome everybody down the line, Surf Talk Radio, it's November 4th, it's an election day here across the nation in the United States, Scott Bass and David Lee Scales here, talking all things surf, with you in our twice monthly podcast, and uh, David, good morning my friend. Good morning
0: Scott, glad to be back with you, at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center,
1: that's right broadcasting live from shack surfing heritage and culture center and uh we're here amidst all of the culture the f- photographs the surfboards the books the magazines the videos the stories all of it right here at shack if you get a chance you're in san clemente come check it out and uh david tell me what do we have on uh, tap regarding uh last our last episode do we have any uh
0: uh, re- emails
1: or anything like that regarding
0: last episode nothing really to discover or to uh discuss but when we were kind of putting together our show notes there's notes that accumulate of course over the course of two weeks i have kind of an ongoing um document that i just add to and then bang last minute last night in the waning hours of the evening news hits that kelly slater is injured surfing cloud break.
1: yeah um Interesting, you know, immediately uh, for me and for some other people that I talked to about this last night, and I did get it on my Twitter account through, I think, Stab Mag, um, you know, immediately some conspiracy theories start to fly around. Absolutely. Like, how injured is he? Um, It's the top of his foot. He injured himself. First, let's back up and say, look, he was surfing massive cloud break. Apparently, he had a GoPro mount on his board. No. No. No.
0: Okay. Brand new camera setup. It's a virtual reality camera. He was shooting with Taylor Steele. It's actually—I mean—it looks pretty archaic. This is the opposite of a GoPro. It's this giant. It looks like one of those um, those noodles that you bring in the pool to like float on. Those little flotation devices. How big is it relative well, to those noodles? It looks like they took an actual noodle, those like six-foot-long noodles, and wrapped it or cut it in half and wrapped it around a pole to offer some sort of protection. So he's holding this big, long pole, like a six foot pole, holding it, holding it okay. in front of him Interesting. Like, and with a camera on the end of that, like a big bulbous fishbowl type camera on the end of this pole mm. that is the length of this noodle. And, um, I guess the camera, it's like a 360 degree camera essentially. And so That is all that I gleaned just from looking at the photo and reading a small caption on Taylor Steele's Instagram because Taylor Steele is the one, I guess, who's producing this video project that they're working on. Yeah. And they called it 360-degree reality uh, viewpoint or something like that. So Hmm. that's all I know. But it is this cumbersome, looks like it's a pretty heavy camera setup, and that's what he was working with. And I don't know if that hit Kelly's foot or where the injury came from, but that's what they were
1: doing so that's the backstory he was filming in big cloud break for taylor Steele with this unique new camera and um there's a um i guess a tweet that kelly sends out that basically says yeah i hurt my foot but don't worry world title's not at, at risk something along those lines kind of putting it out there that hey i have hurt myself and of course the conspiracy theorists Uh, immediately jumped on this as um, is this Kelly's way of kind of trying to um, calm the waters or make people sort of relax and think that maybe Kelly's sort of out of it is this a way to get in the headspace of for sure Gabe Medina and maybe let Gabe sort of relax a little bit and feel a little bit better about his opportunity as Hawaii approaches Um, excuse me, your thoughts on that. Do you think that that's beyond Kelly? Do you think that we're all just really reaching here? Or do you think that, um, perhaps, you know, Kelly's been known to, 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 you know, be use psychology, I guess I should say to, um, to better his chances. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
0: The question of, is it beyond Kelly? The answer is no, it is not beyond Kelly. We've seen him do things similar to this, his entire career. Now. What you're alluding to that it might be that he's doing, I have a little bit of a disagreement with. The way that I view it is simply that Kelly has stated over and over again, he has to go out there and stick to his game plan. It doesn't matter who he's surfing against. Whether he's surfing against Andy Irons or Brett Simpson, Kelly has to do Kelly's thing. If you're thinking about your competitor too much, you've already kind of lost focus. And so what I think Kelly's objective here is, or what it could be, is... To take Kel- or to take Gabriel and Mick's focus off Gabriel and Mick. If Gabriel goes out and just sticks to Gabriel's game plan, he can win the world title. If he's focusing on Kelly and what Kelly's doing, then he's already lost focus and lost half the battle. That's more of what I think Kelly's doing. Is maybe he is maybe so this he, is his game plan, yeah? Is maybe what he, I'm
1: suggesting perhaps I, this is part of his game plan. It is.
0: I think, look, Kelly probably injured his foot maybe it's a small bruise and he knows it has nothing to do with the world title so he so he
1: thinks to himself he's sitting there in the boat and he's like you know what and he's probably riffing with one of his friends out there roseman or whoever it is i think
0: he tells taylor Steele, dude instagram this out and make some ambiguous statement about me being injured right i think that's a practical thing that kelly would do
1: right yeah based on the psychology play Through Gabriel, I don't think McFanning, I don't think you can get through McFanning. I think he's a rock. I don't think Kelly's even thinking about getting through to McFanning psychologically. I just think he's like, look, there's a young kid that's about to win his world title. The more we throw at him right now, the better. Yeah. And let's just throw this out there because you know what? It's the truth. I hurt my foot and it it hurts right now. So why not play it up? Yeah. Let's play it up. And I mean, he doesn't even have to play it up. Just throwing it out there is enough. And yeah. then guys like you and me we'll play will run with, we'll <laughs> run with it like freaks.
0: And Mick isn't as much of a threat in terms of mathematics as Gabriel is. So you're right. He's less penetrable. He's won three titles. He's got his game face on. But the the fragile young man, you know, who wears his heart on his sleeve might get concerned with something like this.
1: It should be noted that he uh, Kelly stopped surfing for the remainder of that session right. and just drove the ski around and um made a couple rescues apparently made a couple rescues and you know again who how do you read into that you know maybe he was just tired he was done surfing anyway right you know it's not like he immediately went in and had an x-ray taken. You know what I'm saying? That's He didn't true. go to Nandi to get airlifted out of there.
0: I do like the um, the concept, though, of you're just free surfing cloud break and Kelly comes by on a ski and picks you up after a <laughs> wipeout on the inside. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty radical. That is know? pretty
1: cool. That's a good story for the grandchildren.
0: Yeah, for sure. One, one quote um, that I will read. Oh, I liked. It was basically Coastal Watch is where I read the article, and it covered all of what we just said. And then the final wrap-up line said, stay tuned to Kelly's Instagram for information as it comes to hand and for some wild insight into the nutritional benefits of activated almond milk.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm an almond milk guy. My wife and I do our own almond milk. Do you? Yeah. Let them soak over. You soak over, yeah, you soak the almonds, drain the water, put the almonds in there with new water, rev it up, and um, then drain it through like a cheesecloth. Uh-huh. Yeah. Have you done that? No. No, You got to give that a run.
0: No, I've seen Kelly doing it. Like literally on Instagram, he gave the full thing. And I'm like, huh, that looks interesting. And I will never do it because <laughs> Trader Joe's has almond milk for $2.99. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, very good. Good point.
0: <laughs> almond flavored milk, I think, is or almond drink is what they're calling it now. So that made me a little wary. They changed the title.
1: <laughs> it's not officially milk. It's, it's almond drink. I guess, almonds. Almonds ain't got no titties, dude. Well, they're actually shaped like a titty. Like That's you, can, true. you can squeeze the milk out of an almond
0: on another note. Um, titties, titties. No, go ahead. Uh, on another note, there's a QS event taking place in Brazil right now. Kind of an important one, kind of the last leg of the QS tour. So guys who are looking to gain points that they got to kind of go down and do this before Hawaii. Um, Gabriel is down there doing it. Gabriel is the number one surfer in the world right there. Right now, he does not need to be doing the QS. And it's at this kind of, I don't even know which beach it is, but it's a beach break and it's kind of or knee to waist high and crappy. And he had his round one heat yesterday, which he advanced through, but in second place. And it was awful to watch. He was trying backside reverses on knee high waves and not even waiting for the set waves just getting these tiny knee-high waves racing down the line and doing backside reverses and only landing a couple of them like probably three out of ten was his land ratio it was depressing to watch it's like this is our potentially world title champ and i feel like i'm watching an nssa competition at huntington beach right now and um
1: that's because you were more or less more
0: or less i was yeah and and
1: that's not. I don't know even what the point I'm trying to make is, other than it just wasn't a world no. champion caliber. Like you, I think you you want to see, um, you know, it's sort of like it's like the president of the United States going bowling right. or something. It's just like it's not presidential, right? You know what I mean? Exactly.
0: And the and then he got beat by Italo. or whatever that kid's name is from Brazil who's this up and coming aerialist but it's like okay Andy's losing to this kid who's he's not a no name
1: but um, you're in a no win situation if you're the number one seed in the world you know number one rated surfer in the world it's like where's it's a lose lose even if you're expected to win if you don't win you're a loser if you do lose you're a loser and people look You don't look as good as you should be looking. It's kind of he
0: wasn't. He wasn't surfing up to his own potential. Even it was kind of weird. Maybe he
1: had to go do it for sponsors. It could have been a thing where they're like, you know, a lot of times they're like, hey man, it's your home place. You're the number one guy. It's now or never. And he's also drumming up some nationalistic. Not that he needs any. They love him in Brazil, but he's just you know kind of getting the fervor going. The the Brazilian backing as he moves into Hawaii for the season coming up here. Maybe that's part of the play. You know, his his management team saying, hey, this is our last QS of the season. Let's, you know, this is our chance to really kind of get your, yeah. your core constituents um, fired up and watching you through the Hawaii season.
0: I think that's probably true. Both those points. His, he has like a, beverage sponsor some brazilian beverage and they are the title sponsor of the event so you're uh-huh. right that might have something to do with it yeah and when he was on the beach um stretching out before his heat he had a, a crowd around him that was the size of kelly's crowds yeah you know like he is a legitimate celebrity down there so that might be part of it but it dawned on me while i was watching him try backside reverse after backside reverse that he could easily injure himself Yes. Like what's he doing down here, surfing these knee high waves, trying backside reverses? Yeah, when he's got the world title on the line, refocus, yeah. you know, yeah.
1: synthesize. Like. Yeah, somebody, somebody in the camp needs to pull him aside and go, "Hey, you're going to lose anyway doing these things. Why don't you just, you know, yeah, do some little knee ca- knee slashes all the way in or whatever."
0: Well, another point. I watched um, Felipe Toledo's heat this morning, and he looks like the surfer to beat in this event. He was out Gabrieling. Gabriel, basically, in terms of like Brazilian kind of small wave, high performance surfers. I think Felipe is almost he's
1: almost got a little bit more spark. There's just a, a little bit more quickness. Yeah. There's something that's just a little bit um, sharper, yeah. <laughs> perhaps, you know, and I know that's we're really nitpicking. We are. Because Gabriel's incredible. <clears throat> of course. Yeah. But I do notice with Felipe, there's just he just looks just maybe a touch lighter on his feet, mm-hmm. just, a, you know, just a smidgen. And again. You know, we're sort of picking it apart here.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. Those are just some thoughts on the uh, QS series. Well,
1: speaking of QS, I mean, that's a great segue into the O'Neill Coldwater Classic uh, that went down at Steamer Lane. This is that event where they bring in 16, quote-unquote, unsponsored surfers. It should be noted that somebody in the social media realm said, Hey, I thought this was for unsponsored surfers. Every single one of the surfers has got stickers all over their boards. Right. They <laughs> They're all have,
0: sponsored. They don't have title sponsors. Right? exactly.
1: So they don't have a, a, a main sponsor stepping up with a big check and going, Hey, we're riding your ticket around the world next year. Good luck. You know, all the events and, and, uh, all your food and T and E and everything covered. So the event went down. The ways were pretty small and Nate Yeomans ended up the winner. And I actually watched some of it. And, um, I was, uh, pleasantly surprised to watch small steamer lane and be relatively entertained for the maybe half hour I put into it. And I did catch the semifinals and, um, Nate Yeoman surfed really well.
0: Yeah. He rips. He always has. Yeah. So the grand prize for this event, there's only one prize actually, and it is first place. And
1: so it's a winner take all deal. It's
0: a winner take all. And you get basically a sponsorship from O'Neill that is worth $50,000. So for one year and um, Tori Meister won it last year and he had a really successful year with O'Neill this past year. And it looks like he might be staying on the team. I don't know if they officially renewed his contract or not, but I don't think they've let him go. He's going to Hawaii. It looks like he's still on board and he was commentating during this event. And so um, Nate Yeomans has been offered this same deal for this upcoming year, which is a really cool thing. Nate qualified for the CT a couple of years ago and surfed he did half well. the year.
1: He, it was that season where they cut the points exactly. off in
0: half. They did the mid-season rotation, yeah. and he got bumped off.
1: And t- I think Tanner Gudowskis got shut down on right. that deal, and a bunch of guys got kind of the shaft.
0: Right. So this will be his opportunity to now travel on the QS again and potentially re-qualify. And honestly, based on his surfing... He's totally CT material. He is.
1: He absolutely dominates in,
0: at Big Pipe he's a great he, surfer he made the final at the vulcan pipe pro either last year
1: or the year before
0: i think yeah so yeah he's, he's a great totally surfer. legit he's and got he the whole package totally he you know he does aerials out. yeah
1: he's competitively savvy like his his head's in the right place you know he, he knows what he's doing
0: hard-working orange county i could kid. see
1: him being on the tour and i could also see being happy and rooting for him you know like he's a north american surfer that you know I could get behind because he's, he's really got the whole pack.
0: He's know? the Orange County. He's got great style. The Orange County Freddie Pataccia to me, kind of this workhorse. He's got a yeah. he's well rounded. Yeah. He's kind of got all That's the a great fundamentals, way to put it. but he still has some flair to him. I think he's, he's got like more flair than
1: Freddie P. Do you? Yeah, I mean he's got the aerial assault. I don't know. Freddie's got a couple little aerials in his bag, but he's kind of like Taylor Knox. It's like, okay, I'll try one now. You know? Yeah, he's
0: one at lowers. Freddie has, you know. It's I'm a just saying. Wave. I'm
1: just saying, aerials specifically. I know that Nate's got a bundle of he aerials. Does.
0: So the interesting thing about this event too that I liked was that there's these 18 to 20 year old kids, you know, coming up the ranks who can't find sponsorship, competing against Nate Yeomans, who's looking at the end of his career, looking at taking a day job, 33 years old, a kid with a pregnant wife with another kid on the way, you know, who's just like in the twilight of his career, competing against one another. And so you're kind of rooting for both guys. It's like I had friends who are in this event who are 18 years old, but I also love Nate, and it's like, oh, I kind of – it's cool to see both ends of the spectrum competing. And it's cool to see Nate win it because, you know, these 18-year-old kids still have 10 years that they can commit to try and to it. I
1: know it. it's not fair for all the guys that grind the WQS, but, you know, there's part of me that wants this this sort of fairy tale ending for the winner of an event, be it the Coldwater Classic or whichever one it is, you know, it's a winner take all. You actually do get sponsored on the CT for a year. Whoever wins this one event wow. gets, you know, the freaky a wild
0: card spot for 12. And, for and nine maybe you
1: call what? it like, it's like the ASP has their own. Um, I don't know what you would call it, but like on the PGA tour, they have the, um, the players championship it's called. And the players consider it the fifth major. And so this players championship on the ASP world tour would be this thing for everybody and it's wherever it's at and one guy gets the golden ticket and gets the whole season next year comped and and gets to try to run through the the crew on the ct it sounds i know it's not fair
0: it's a romantic concept i just i don't think it would ever pan out beneficially i think that guy hasn't been groomed enough and he'll end up losing in round one every event throughout the year and it's just a waste of a spot yeah i know, know
1: i know that's 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 a reality. Yeah. You're right, but
0: it's a cool concept. I mean, I, I
1: have you know, I often and I've said it on this show many times is, you know, I'm a big fan of of sort of like boxing. You know, like okay, who are the top seeds in the world? You right. know, like so you know we've got say Mick Fanning versus um, <clears throat> say Nat Young, and they just have a a. An event, you know, they just have a heat, an hour and a half long heat somewhere, and that's it. Right. And then the winner of that moves on. Yeah. To an hour and a half heat against number three, number two, and you know, as opposed to like this two-week quote-unquote waiting period for one, 32 guys to go through an entire seed, an entire field. You want the top ten heavyweights? Yeah. Boxing let's just, yeah. Up. Let's just go at it. You know. KOs. And, yeah. And, and whoever finally gets to reach and, and meet number one, we have this pay-per-view event, and it's an hour and a half heat, and it's you know, yeah, no holds barred. Yeah. Well, that
0: that kind of um, variety of or a different style criteria event kind of leads us or segues us into the Titans of Mavericks, I yes. suppose. Yeah. Um, tell me about that event. Well, we had some questions, right?
1: I, I did. You know, first of all, they it's sort of I guess about a month ago, they started to put some stuff out in uh, the Internet about the Titans of Mavericks. And I didn't really know what it was. I was sort of like and they and. Part of this could be on me, but I was really having a hard time wrapping my head around what is it they that they're doing here. I know that they've got the greatest Maverick surfers in the world <clears throat> surfing in an event at Mavericks. We know that much, but they um, apparently there's some backstory into how that they're picking the the so-called Titans. Um, there's five wild cards. There's two alternates, and the interesting thing about this format, if you want to call it a format, is. Basically the the alternates and the wild cards, <clears throat> excuse me. Basically the the alternates and the wild cards have to vie for a position as a, a competitor in the event through surfing at Mavericks all season long. Right. And and they're basically judged, so to speak, on how much they charge and how well they charge or how well they perform at Mavericks during just free surf sessions and I, they've got um, you know, this committee of five, um, basically, it's, it's Flea. Um, it's Jeff Clark. Jeff Clark um, I don't even know who these other guys are.
0: Shane. Yeah, I forget, too.
1: But So there's they- five guys, and they're, you know, basically like legendary guys up there at Half Moon Bay and Santa Cruz that know the spot. Again, Jeff Clark and Flea amongst them. And they're going to pick uh, these other guys that get to be in the event with the titans that they've already listed the obvious ones are already there they're they're in it you know the greg longs of the world and so there's these spots that they're vying for and i think i've heard a little bit of back uh, lash about this people are concerned uh, some of the surfers out there are concerned and, and interestingly they didn't want to be named they wanted to be anonymous but they're concerned about Um, You know, the danger factor here that if we got a bunch of guys frothing at the bit to try to make the event and to make the event, they have to prove that they're charging at Mavericks. Then we're leading ourselves into a situation where people could be doing things that they might not uh, normally do based on, you know, um, hoping to get into this event, hoping for their moment, their shot at fame.
0: Look. The criteria to get into the event, I don't know that anybody's going to risk life and limb beyond what they're already committed to doing just to get into this event. If you show up every surf spot that you know and that you surf regularly, you know who the guys are that surf that spot regularly and who charge it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so in this spot, to an even greater extreme, because there is such, it takes such a dedication to surfing it, I wanted to read some of the criteria, though, that they have set on their website because it seems kind of silly and arbitrary. Um, The first point is dedicated to surfing Mavericks. Okay, that makes sense. Person who puts puts time in the water at Mavericks during the preseason. Okay, that makes sense. Person in top uh, athletic condition. That makes sense. But then there's other stuff like a person who provides community service efforts in their local community. I don't know how you define that. You know what I mean? Like, are they working at a homeless shelter? And if they are, does that qualify them more than the guy who's just picking up trash on the side of the freeway? Um, Person who promotes ocean conservation and lives a healthy lifestyle. It's like all this
1: kind of nebulous, weird. How about this one? A person whom is educated on the ecosystem, waterway, and cold water conditions surrounding Maverick. So is there like, like a written test? Right.
0: Exactly. It's like all this stuff sounds good. Okay, you guys are all heroes. Good for you. Let's pat each other on the back. But really, do these factor in? I'd like to see this criteria broken down into a point system. How many <laughs> no. points are allocated to the ecosystem knowledge versus the amount of charges hours spent in Mavericks? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. it just seems very silly, basically. And it seems like the ASP would look at this and just be like, "Wow, this is laughable." Like, we're trying to be legitimate and make things defined and objectified or objective in our criteria and this just seems like silly
1: yeah a lot of this stuff i mean it's neat that they have sort of a value system that they put out here you know but i think most of us live this anyway this is sort of like you might as well put you know a person who breathes oxygen you know it's like it's a little bit like dud i mean aren't we all kind of doing this Mm -hmm. stuff aren't we all really you know providing community service in some way or another. Aren't we all sort of, you know, knowledgeable about the ecosystem that we surf around and within. And yeah, it just seems like um, they're really kind of grasping here. I get, but I appreciate that they're doing, like they're trying to make something different, you know? And it's, it's like, how do we pick this guy? Well, let's, let's, have a meeting, you guys, and let's throw criteria out and we'll, we'll put it all up there. And this is all the criteria that's important to this committee of five and that's apparently what this is.
0: The next step would be a second meeting where there's an editing process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here, here's another one. Quote, person who is respectful to his, her peers and has character in and out of the water.
1: Well, seven <laughs> or eight of them are <laughs> off the team.
0: And it, there's, a, there's a her, a slash his, her peers is there a her invited to this
1: event i don't know but it's kind of neat i mean because what they're really doing right is they're building up this kind of to this moment where the committee of five picks these these two wild cards and the five alternates right they're they're kind of getting you and i and the rest of the surfing fans around the world psyched up on how's the committee of five going to pick this what are they you know and then of course you and i can have debate over whoever they pick whether or not they you know were respectful to their peers or if they provide ocean conservation and lives a healthy lifestyle right
0: but, yeah, I mean, we're making fun, but I am a fan of it, and I'm excited to watch the event. Um, what's cool about it is that there's, like, a two- or three-month waiting period starting, I think, January 1st. So um, they'll be able to kind of pick the eyes out of it in order to run the event.
1: So behind this event, right, is, is this festival, right? Oh, right. Where you go to—apparently you buy tickets and— um, I'm not sure how it goes down, but I guess when the green light or yellow light goes on, they have this big festival with you know probably music and and surf culture and food and stuff. And this this festival, I'm assuming, and I haven't read into it too much here, but I'm assuming this festival takes place when the event is happening, it so does. you can watch the event on the large screen and take it all in, which is actually a really neat thing. And I think it's something that the ASP could could um, could provide for events like at Lowers. You know, you could have an incredibly um, massive tent structure, air-conditioned in the parking lot there at Lowers right before you get on the trail and, and go in where they now have the VIP parking. Right. And and just have an incredible sort of fan experience like they're doing here with the Titans of Mavericks where you have massive big screens, very comfortable seating, um, just, just real luxurious and, and a place where... Look, the beach can only handle so many people. Let's have this air-conditioned scenario right at the spot where fans can come, and there'll be pros there. They'll be signing autographs, just like like the NFL does with a fan experience during the Super Bowl. Like the U.S. Open of Youth Lifestyle. Do, do they have a fan experience at the U.S. At the US it's Open? It's all fan experience. No, there's too much fan experience. That's that the sounds problem. like there, you're a
0: fan of the fan experience, well, actually. I, I
1: am if the surfing takes the front, you know, first and foremost.
0: Oh, gosh, dude hypocrite that's what i'm
1: saying (laughs) (laughs) fair enough you know i i'm a am ai am a fan of hardcore surf fans i'm not a fan of you know let's go get drunk and and profit off well no i don't mind profit let's just let's you know like let's go down there to huntington beach there's a big party at the u.s open we'll bring tattoos and we'll we'll you know spray paint Stuff on girls' bodies, and you know, it just gets out of hand. I'm saying hardcore lowers, surf fans, hardcore fans of Mavericks. I would like maybe a little bit older demo is what I'm aiming at here. I would
0: like to help you make your own point, thank you. Which was the wave venue is important, of course, it's so of most importance. That was your original argument with the U.S. Open of Lifestyle was that the venue sucks, Huntington Beach. Um, all right, and then the head judges, quick just to note. I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, Steve Coletta is oh, the cool. head judge. I love Steve Coletta. He's a surfboard shaper up in Santa Cruz. great guy. Yeah, and then the other judges, Noah Johnson, Brock Little, Richard Schmidt. Oh, cool. Yeah, Dick Keating and Osh Bartlett. So, legitimate judging panel. But I thought, rad that Steve Coletta was the head judge.
1: That is cool. I didn't he, know, does he's he a have judging shaper. experience? Or? I bet he does. Those Santa Cruz guys are pretty competitive. There was a big WSA push when Coletta was... A involved in the 70s and i'm sure he's got some and plus mavericks i mean i'm no expert but i think if you know if if there was one place where a lay person could judge a big wave contest it'd be mavericks like who caught the biggest waves and who was deepest it's not like you're worrying about the critical nature of a 540 aerial or anything right and yeah,
0: I fully agree. And Steve Coletta is far from a lay person. No, and even yeah. if he doesn't have judging experience, I would assume that he does. That I bet he does. Him. But I mean, the guy's a legit, you know.
1: Yeah. And his son, Kalu, is a great shaper as well. They're both really great shapers from Santa Cruz.
0: Awesome. Uh, I got more topics, but what do you got? You want? Um,
1: yeah, I was, gosh, I was just riffing on something I forgot though. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Um, this is kind of a throwback or a follow-up topic on your hashtag Go Leashless campaign that you are promoting so actively. Did you hear about? I did the dude in on the Gold Coast who almost got killed by a leashless hipster.
1: Gold Coast of Australia. Yeah. What happened?
0: Uh, "Quote: I was paddling out when I saw a young guy with a beard." fall and fling his board right at me <laughs> what is the beard what does the facial hair have to do with any of this well go back an episode and listen to your description of hipsters you yeah, included but, a beer and a <laughs> latte in your description and a flannel that's,
1: that's fine but what does that have to do with losing your board like your your facial hair doesn't have anything to do with losing in fact your board.
0: it does i don't think it, it throws does. you off balance your center of your center of uh gravity no, young, quote, y- these young hipsters are coming to the Gold Coast and refusing to wear leg ropes on boards that are very difficult to surf. I tried to dodge it, but it was too shallow and the board was too big. The board just spiraled straight into my head.
1: Okay, here's my thought on this, right? You're about to go surfing. You see a bunch of guys with heavy longboards with hipster beards and they're losing their boards. Perhaps don't paddle out there. Or you're already surfing, and a bunch of these guys paddle out. That's the problem. Local and you're legend, concerned. Local,
0: le- local all-round legend, snapper local, Jay Phillips said, they come from Byron or Brisbane in huge packs and surf really dangerously. Lots of young children surf, and they should not be forced to dodge large wooden boards that should be hanging up on the wall as art. I think Jay Phillips's point is that We've already been surfing here forever. This is a new trend of these hipsters with beards and flannels coming in with their lattes. <laughs> flannels. Paddle.
1: How do you know they have flannels? That's <laughs> what your description was. I'm using
0: your. So they're they're now paddling out on these retro boards without leashes and creating havoc in the lineup.
1: Well, you know what? Surfing is dangerous. It always has been. The ocean is a perilous place. Uh, we've all been hurt. Well, we. I just got hurt the other day. can. You know, I'm in pain. Um, whose fault was it? It was mine. Okay. Um, but I was surfing leashless. What happened? My board hit me. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I just think that, look, you know, at some point we can't legislate, uh, you know, our freedom away. And if you know what? But you have to the be... The res- ocean has, you know, cold water, rip currents, sharks, whales, stingrays. So you're completely surfboards. taking
0: away responsibility from no. the offender.
1: No, I'm not. You are. What I'm saying is the ocean's dangerous. You should eye it up. Figure it out if you're capable or not. Mis- things are going to happen that you don't even have control over. Okay, and that's part of the fun of surfing, actually. Okay, is that there's you know there's a little bit of risk, there's a little bit of adventure, there's a little bit of excitement. I don't disagree with any if, of that. It sucks to get hit. It sucks if a little kid gets hit. I'm not condoning uh, any of that. But those big longboards, first of all, it's I consider it sort of blasphemy to even wear a leash when you're riding a longboard that's they're they're made to be walked and you're moving around on them you're not you don't wear a leash it holds you back it hinders you okay now you know again it's just it can't be black and white i know there's gray area here i know that there's probably hipsters that are complete kooks that deserve to be scolded and told to leave and if that's the case then do that
0: let me ask you this
1: Yes. We're both taking the 405 freeway home from
0: Surfing Heritage Heritage and Culture Center when we leave this podcast. A guy enters the freeway in a Humvee limo with a beard wearing a flannel drinking a latte and he starts swerving from the slow lane to the fast lane cutting weaving in and out of traffic yeah. recklessly. Yes. Do you say to yourself, well the freeway's a dangerous place. I guess I'll take an alternate route home because this guy's doing what he wants to do out here and it's it's a free road and everybody's allowed to ride on it.
1: Does he have a leash on? Huh?
0: No seatbelt. No seatbelt. <laughs> Seatbelt-less. Well, look. You What's know, your... Sin- I mean, that okay, is... Okay, here's
1: my deal. I slow down, let him move on with his fast, crazy driving, and then I continue on my Do way. Do you call the police? No. Do you report him? He looks drunk. If he looks drunk, I'll call He's the swerving. police. He's swerving. I'll call the police if He's he looks drunk. Reckless. He's reckless. Reckless. Are- Endangering are they- other people. Are these hipsters reckless or are they just... It riding seems, the wave really good and well, occasionally losing on a board. It only takes one time to lose a board when
0: it's a problem. The quote from Jay Phillips is they surf really dangerously. They're boards that are difficult does that to mean? ride. They're, well, they're boards that are difficult to ride in very crowded surf with no leash. So you're going to fall. So I think my point is just that I kind of agree with your philosophy, but at the same time, there comes a point where so what is the answer? Ir- the, there comes a point when it's irresponsible to ride that type of equipment, in or this, it's irresponsible these
1: to be out in those conditions, knowing that there's reckless surfers out there. But that Who's came first.
0: The crowds came first, and then the hipsters so showed you, up. And how are you going to legislate it? this away? I don't think there's a way to legislate it. What I think that I think we need to bring back shame and start <laughs> start shaming people. Sure who are I'm behaving totally, in this I'm way. I'm totally down with that. I don't think it's okay just to be like, oh no, it's free for all, man. We're all out here having a good time. No, I think it's okay to be like, hey, you're being a dick and this is I unacceptable. Agree.
1: I agree that something needs to be said. People need to speak up and go, you know what, you're blowing yeah. it right now. There's these little kids over here. You lost your board, blah, blah, blah. Can you just go down there or, or I have think, some sense of like, you know, common responsibility for your fellow man. Well, this article. However, nobody likes to be that guy. There's a few alpha males that like to bark and stuff. True. But for the most part, you know and I know that when you're the guy that speaks up, it generally ruins your session because you're out there kind of trying True. to do your own thing. You say one thing to one guy, even in a in a kind tone, and they snap back at you like, and now all of a sudden you're into it. And really, is that why you went surfing to like no. shame away somebody which doesn't work? Well,
0: that's why we're publicly shaming now. And this article is out making it the rounds so that... It can kind of be brought to everybody's attention that, look, let's all exercise a little bit of responsibility and courtesy and we won't be faced with these tragedies like this guy's skull gash. And by the way, it happened in front of his kids. His son and daughter saw him bleeding in the sand. Where was this? At Rainbow Bay? I don't know exactly. I forget. Snapper, maybe. I'm not sure. I mean. That just says
1: Gold Coast. Yeah. I, you know, I I just sort of. Who is this guy? What is his position in the surfing hierarchy at that spot? Did he just roll up with his kids and go, let's go, you know, and how, who's to say that this guy that hit him isn't from right there too? I, how do we know he's one of these packs of Byron Bay hipsters? I mean, we, we just, just exercise just because Jay Phillips. I mean, I'm not saying exercise that, that couldn't judgment. be the case, but I just think there's too much going on in this story for you and I to kind of Pick it, Pick the, well, the eyes out of it. reason why we're picking we the eyes, we don't, we don't. We don't really know the context.
0: We don't, but we it represents a larger truth that you and I deal with. In that there are these crowds that we have to surf with, with people who might be surfing leashless or stand up paddlers. Uh, dude, I, de- about. I
1: deal with this every. Dude, I've single seen guys, day. every I, single day of my life. I deal with
0: exactly, this. and that's why it's a relevant topic. That's we're picking I'm the t- eyes. I agree out that of the it's topic.
1: relevant, but I, I think what 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 I'm trying to get at is that every situation is different, yeah. right? I mean. And I, I hate to state the obvious, right? But it, it just depends on which situation, what's going on. Well, you then know? why are we even having a podcast at all? Because,
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like each of these situations is different. But but, but you brought up
1: this specific incident. To and represent I don't really, a
0: truth that we deal with all the time. You just said yourself. Basically,
1: the, the truth is that there's kooks everywhere. There's kooks on the freeway. There's kooks in the water. There's yeah. kooks everywhere. I'm going to
0: give you the answer. Okay, good. We need to shame these people who are acting outside of the bell-shaped curve. How do we shame them? By calling them out, by talking about it on the podcast, by just saying exercise a little bit of judgment and a little bit of courtesy for your your common surfer and don't be a dick. Don't be that guy.
1: What happens if you're surfing and say one, two, three, let's say stand up paddle boarders or guys on big longboards just paddle straight out to the top of the point and take off and without any regard for like the hierarchy and the lineup or who's been surfing there their whole lives or any of that stuff, whatever that sort of I'd, dogma is.
0: I'd start burning them eventually. Eventually. Midway just, through so the what session. About, like, you're not going to
1: say anything. You're just physically going to passively,
0: passive aggressively. I would passive aggressively burn them once or twice. And if they then piped up and said anything, I would let them know what happened. I'd be like, Hey dude, Surf here all the time, never seen you guys before. You can't just paddle out straight to the peak and take every single set that comes through.
1: What happens if he reacts negatively, like, screw you, I don't care who you are. You want some?
0: I'll go, well, you're going to continue to get burned then.
1: Well, then let's go to the beach. Go
0: to the beach. I'm going to stay out here and start, (laughs) keep keep surfing.
1: My point is, is that once it gets built up to a place where it's just, it's, I personally find it just like that's not what I want my surf experience Neither to do. Neither do I, but you force to... this upon me. No, but you know see I... I, I would suggest to you that you've that you've done it wrong. Done what wrong? What the situation I just yeah. I just I just explained the context of the situation. Yeah. This is what I would do. Okay. I would paddle up to the guy and I would go, Hey, I'm quite confident you can kick the living shit out of me. This isn't about a fight or about who's bigger or anything like that but you're surfing extremely dangerously. You need to go in and learn how to do it right. You're welcome to surf out here. In fact, we want you out here. But until you've got it figured out, you're not allowed out here.
0: Okay, that wasn't part of the criteria. You said they paddle out and catch the set waves. You didn't yeah, say th- that they no, surf that, horribly. That's what, well. But you just added that detail. They
1: did surf horribly. If, the,
0: that, if the, that's their etiquette, they're doing it wrong. Yeah, but that doesn't have to do with being an inadequate surfer. That has to do I'm with being to not you, applying the etiquette.
1: I'm suggesting to you that apply your shame in a, in a in a more thought thoughtful
0: i i also think that the the retort that you just gave him would elicit could potentially elicit the violent uh, retribution fine. that That's he would fine. have
1: That's fine. done to me I'm, well okay I'm so we both ended
0: up at the same endpoint you know what i mean i burned him on a wave you went out and shamed him <laughs> verbally but you this can whole just conversation as easily. I know. Horrible. Well, actually, it's not because there was another article posted. Yeah, I know uh, it's a
1: big deal in Australia, I think.
0: When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious. And there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. Go to com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Tracks, the gold Tracks Magazine posted an article yeah. entitled How Not to Get Punched in the Head. Ooh. And coincidentally, Surfer Mag posted an article the same week, Does Localism Work was the title of theirs. So there's a couple of points that are relevant to our conversation that I'm going to give you. Five bullet points for how not to get punched in the head. These apply worldwide. They're <laughs> universal truths. Doesn't matter where you surf or how old According you are. According to stab. No, tracks, man. Tracks. Um, Just because it was a mistake does not make it okay. So meaning if you burn somebody, be ready to deal with the consequences. In your scenario, I sized up this situation and go, wow, these guys are just, regardless of who's out here, they're just taking every set wave. I'm willing to burn this person and deal with the consequences, you know? But I think more relevantly, there's guys who sometimes burn you without looking, and then you say something and they go, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see you. Well, that's not okay. You need to learn to look. That's part of the etiquette. Well, my retort to that, by the way,
1: yeah. is, is always, do you have a driver's license? Yes. And if they say, yes, I do, I say, well, do you look both ways when you pull out into the street? Because right. you, that's what we're talking about exactly. here. It's as simple as looking over your left shoulder.
0: I had that happen to me at Northside Huntington not that long ago best set wave of the day. I mean, seriously. And I'd been sitting in the same spot like waiting because I knew this sandbar and it's like this set comes to me. And the old dudes who surf out there all the time were on the shoulder. They saw this thing come to me and this Barney who had just paddled out 20 minutes ago fully burns me. Like I take off kind of right behind the peak going right and he just drops in right on the shoulder. As I'm bottom turning to like go up to hit the lip, he's dropping in right there. And I could have like tried to fit in the turn behind him, but it was a little sketchy. So I just kind of avoided it. And then he saw me eventually once he made the drop and kicked out, but it was too late. And he apologized instantly. And I kind of just let it go. I was disappointed, but I'm like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And the old dudes nearby looked at me and they were just like, oh my God, how could you let that go? Like that was so brutal, you know? And I just kind of like let it go, but it wasn't okay. I should have said something. I should have let him know. Hey, dude, why
1: didn't you? Because you didn't want to ruin your session.
0: I understand your point, And I apply that point sometimes. But it was just like cringing inside. Like, dude, you can't be such a big Barney that you just don't look at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? So anyways, point number two in how not to get punched in the head. The world is not fair and neither is surfing,
1: which it's, means. That sounds like my initial reaction to this whole leashless thing.
0: Well. Surfing is not fair. It, and the, the point of that is that better surfers get more leeway. Look, this isn't fair. Maybe you put in your time in the lineup. But if I'm surfing north side and Sippo paddles out, he gets a little bit more leeway. You let him get the good one. If he's going to burn you on the shoulder, let him go. And in fact, enjoy the, the show. Like, watch him surf. That's enjoyable. Point number three, localism is a thing, a real thing. Sometimes... You need to keep your, all the other rules go out the window. You need to keep your head down. And even if you're in the right, the local's out and he's doing his own thing. Let it go. You know, point number four, choose your battles kind of related to point number three. Some dudes are just looking for a fight. So you need to size up who those guys are and avoid them. Uh, Point number five, it's called the outliers, look for the 40-year-old pothead shredder. Avoid that dude. <laughs> that guy that's been surfing the spot for the last 20 years and uh, sits in the parking lot smoking weed in between sessions. You know, choose not to burn that guy or or battle him. Uh, there's always the talking-to-himself crazy dude, and there's usually who you talked about, the bitter, angry, inadequate local. He's kind of an inadequate surfer, but he's just bitter and angry enough to where he's not going to let that get in the way. You might be the more efficient surfer, but avoid I that. I think I'm dirty. a
1: combination of all three of those outliers. <laughs> so, the pot smoking for well, No, a combination <laughs> of I'm Not the pot smoking part is out, but, but the, the because I'm starting to, as I get older, I'm starting to become that inadequate kook. <laughs>
2: right, right.
0: I hate to admit that's true with me too. Yeah.
1: So those are ways to avoid getting punched in the head. All right, well, fair enough. Now, what about this localism story? Like why localism works? What's it called?
0: It was Does Localism oh, Work? Does. And it was just kind of a, breaking apart of those guys and like, hey, do they keep you from surfing? Like kind of to your point of if those guys paddle out to the peak and start catching a bunch of waves, do you confront them or do you just paddle down to the next peak down the beach and avoid them completely? And it just all depends
1: on who you are, where you are in this, in this space, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah I agree. Uh, there was no answer to does localism work. It was just kind of an opinion piece.
1: I think the overarching concept here though that I would like to get across and you may or may not agree with me is that is that you know what next time you're surfing just try this when it's your turn to catch a wave or however it works if the opportunity arises for you to give your wave to somebody else to do some selfless act here just try it once and see how it makes you feel and really examine how it makes you feel and i think that's the true spirit of aloha right Giving of yourself, expecting nothing in return, unconditional love. I'm not saying I can do it. I'm not yeah. saying I even do it. I'm just saying let's all try that. We
0: have a new Scott Bass on our hands, ladies old, and gentlemen. No,
1: this is the old Scott Bass. It's just that it, you know, I, again, this isn't how I of course act or react or respond yeah, yeah. in the lineups, but occasionally there are moments of spiritual growth. Here's what's crazy:
0: is that is generally my philosophy in life. That's the way I operate on the road when I'm driving. That's the way I operate in business. Amen. But it's not the way I really operate when I'm surfing. You know, it's kind of, I don't know. You would think you're your truest self when you're surfing. I think you are. But uh, Wow, that's depressing, uh, actually. Well, you know what?
1: There's room for growth.
0: But yeah, it's like when I'm surfing, I'm kind of, I feel like I've earned my spot and I've committed to being out here for these two hours and I want to kind of do what i want to do and if you get in my way it's gonna i don't know it grinds my gears a little bit it kind of spins me out for the rest of the day
1: that's not good that's not what surfing's about we don't want to spin each other out
0: oh god i'm having a therapeutic moment man (laughs) i think i need to reevaluate yeah buy me a hand plane i'm gonna grow a beard and uh (laughs) start
1: in the shore break again some mustache wax hey dude speaking of that i'm going movember So I'm trying to raise awareness for men's health, specifically prostate cancer and testicular cancer. So I'm growing a mustache. It's already hideous. It's going to get more hideous. It's only going to be 30 days. It'll be gone December 1st. But uh, I urge the listeners out there, if you're, um, you know, in that sort of, I guess, 40 to 70 year range, you know, make sure that you get the checkups that you need to get so that you can uh, guarantee you and your loved ones that you're cancer free. Mm. movember
0: good job scott bass you're
1: you're growing one too but probably without any social cause just because you're lazy that is absolutely correct (laughs) i can tell that's not true though because you've actually you've got a line here where you you're growing a beard aren't you
0: well the neck beard is the line you're talking about i shaved the neck to avoid the abe lincoln neck beard um i did trim the line or trim the beard just a little bit because we had to go somewhere the other night but i wasn't committed to actually doing the full shave quite yet but in the next well, Movember
1: specifically requests and suggests that you don't go beard. It's just a mustache deal. So mm. if you're going to join with the cause here, we need you to get rid of the beard, keep the stash. You've got a big head start. You can even you've got the Fu Manchu po- potential. That's I can true. see I that do. in you.
0: Yes, I do. I don't think I'm going to commit to that, but I will help you raise awareness. I'm, that's all I'm doing. Raising way,
1: awareness, so. just raising awareness.
0: Um, and I'll really I will uh, avoid all, uh finger up the rectum jokes for the podcast it's too late i think that <laughs> well, was no one. that wasn't a joke well, i'm just
1: saying i'm gonna avoid how the about, obvious. how about jokes. references in in general mm, too late you're right um i've got some stuff regarding uh i don't know if you uh are a financial guy or you follow the stock market or you invest actually i know you do invest we've talked about it at length um So SeekingAlpha.com is a financial analyst. It's one of these like brokerage sites where they suggest stocks and stuff. And they did a piece, basically a financial breakdown of Quicksilver. Um, Whether or not we can believe what SeekingAlpha.com says or not, I'm not sure. But they didn't paint a very rosy picture for Quicksilver. Basically um, saying it's a good opportunity to short the stock because in our opinion, they're on the road to chapter 11 bankruptcy. Um, again, this is a financial site that, um, you know, what their uh, what their motive is here, I'm not sure, but yeah. um, I'm sure they're just trying to serve their investors and they're considering um, Quicksilver as being in a really bad place. Um, they went on to say um, that uh, basically based on their assessment, you know, short the stock.
0: Yeah. So Quicksilver, Kelly Slater left Quicksilver a number of months ago. They restructured management and um, the president, like a lot of higher end uh, executives have been shuffled out of the business. They've brought in new people. Obviously their surf team got cut drastically about a year ago. And then six months or Yeah, maybe four to six months ago, Kelly Slater announced that he was leaving Quicksilver. And then Friday, Bob McKnight, the founder, left the company. And so um, all signs point to, you know, that there's some serious stuff happening, which would lend credence to what you're saying.
1: Well, seeking, I'll just break down some of the cons here that um, SeekingAlpha.com sort of laid out for the Quicksilver company, that they have the inability to successfully evolve the brand image to remain relevant as a pure play surfwear wholesaler. So they're basically saying, look, the surf shops aren't moving the product. Mm-hmm. They've lost the brand image. They also went on to say the Quicksilver's highly concentrated revenue base within the price elastic teen apparel segment. So they're highly concentrated and their revenue base within the pro- I'm not sure what that means. If you can break that down for me, um, they they go into some pretty in depth you know financial analysis here, um, but you know the overall summary is it doesn't look rosy for Quicksilver.
0: No, it really doesn't, and that's not telling us surfers anything we didn't already know about kind of the brand's image. Um, I would ask you, I saw something in that article that said. Um, that they're licensing the name to hotel chains and whoever will have them. Do you know what that means? How do you license Quicksilver to a hotel chain? What is the hotel chain using it for?
1: Um, I don't know. I guess, you know, obviously maybe it's Quicksilver soap, Quicksilver sandals, Quicksilver whatever, you know, Quicksilver surf lessons, so, I don't know, but they're, they're, you know, when you go into this licensing model, you're basically just jonesing for money. You're like, give me cash, I'll license my name to anything. I don't care what you put it on. You put it on Fritos if you want. And a
0: lot of people have a lot of success doing that. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and that's a way to revitalize the company. But I don't know that you can revitalize the brand image among the surf community, let's say. And so that's okay. You know yeah, I mean, would suggest you that becomes, if you're, if you're um,
1: licensing, you've admitted that. You're like, okay, sure. that's gone. Let's try this.
0: I mean, I remember when I was a kid, Massimo was a brand that had a little bit of cachet. And then as I grew up, it was in Target, you know, which had made it less cachet or made it less cool. And so if that's the same thing that happens with Quicksilver, so be it. Yeah, it's just you know? a I mean,
1: natural cycle of business. You know, it's just like right. evolution. You know, things come and go, and this one seems to be, at least according to Seeking Alpha. Now, of course, you know, I guess we all want business to be good for everybody. So right. it's not like we're hoping. I'm just reading what, and this got a lot of play on the internet. There's a, lo, you know, it was all over every single website. I know Stab did a thing on it, and um, and, and, and there a lot of like message boards. It was a lot of there was a lot of fodder here for for the Quicksilver haters out there to just sort of stuff about Dane Reynolds not wearing the product except in photo shoots and all sorts of weird stuff. It's all
0: very interesting and it's interesting just to see business grow into a behemoth and then struggle and have to restructure and navigate and tighten the belt and all that is very interesting. But I don't know, do you see Quicksilver actually going away ever? Is that a real possibility? I, you know, again, I'm
1: not an expert in, in all how this all this stuff plays out and how it works. Um, it was suggested to me that it could get to a place where the stock gets so bad that some of the original people come to the plate and go, look, we're going to buy this stock for 10 cents on the dollar. The shareholders are screwed. We're going to privatize the company again. It's the best you can do. You're going to get a little bit of money out of this. Yeah, And, and then the whole thing goes kaput. And the major players bring it back and say, we're private now, we're legit. You know, it's whoever it is, whoever those guys are, if it's McNona or, or, or excuse me, Bob McKnight or or Hackman or Bruce Raymond or Danny Kwok, whoever it is, you know, that that was one scenario that was played out. I find that I don't know. Again, these are just, you know, parking lot innuendo that i'm getting you know
0: i don't think that there's any value for those guys to do that i think all other those, than the
1: pride in what they built yeah. they want to retain it true. you know there's e- it's an ego based that's true thing.
0: maybe that is true i mean i'm just thinking those guys would just they're start, all cashed out and they're or good. they'll just start from scratch they're yeah. like if they want to get involved with a clothing company they'll start something new yeah that has none of the overhead that quicksilver right. has with it and credit debt and whatever, whatever it has. Well, within, even just like know? the
1: brand equity, uh, debt, you know, like the yeah. debt that it's a dead brand. Exactly. Um, so. but you know, further along, you know, the 30th annual Eddie, Icau, the Quicksilver, I the quick silver in memory of Eddie, I cow, the 30th annual, you know, I start to think to myself, okay, if seeking alpha's, um, financial, um, uh, sort of playthrough is correct and Quicksilver goes down. Is this the last Eddie event? It's the 30th year. What a great year to end it on, right? A nice round number, 30 years. That, look, that's played out. The Quicksilver memory of Eddie, is it over? I hope not. What Probably one of the most fascinating events that doesn't take place. You know, it's like the one <laughs> where you're always hoping that it will happen. And when it does happen, it's worth every year of waiting. You know, it's a, right. it's a really a lot of fun, but, um, could this be the last Eddie? What are your thoughts? I I don't know.
0: I don't think it would be. I think another company would easily step up to be involved and have association with that because it's such an iconic legacy thing. And um, you get way more marketing dollars out of it than you get expense because the event never happens. But every year you promote the event, you know, all the expense is in the running of the event, probably, or most of the expense. So you get to market it 5 years and run it once every 5 years um, or get get the marketing out of it. So I think somebody
1: else would step up. Speaking of the Quicksilver, um one of the interesting things about the Titans of Mavericks yeah. is the one guy who everyone would say is on that list that should be one of the Titans of Mavericks that's not on there is Peter Mell. Peter Mell is not one of the Titans of Mavericks and it has to do with a conflict of interest. At least I'm assuming a conflict of interest in regards to Peter being the commissioner of the Big Wave ASP Big Wave World Tour, the Titans of Mavericks not being a sanctioned event on the ASP World Tour, the Big Wave World Tour, and I'm sure that you know it's like, hey, you can't really do that event, Peter, if you work for us, right? And you know, sort of like an obvious uh, conflict of interest, but this is a situation where, where I think there needs to be bend. There needs to be um, some, you know. Everyone in their right mind who knows Peter Mel needs to be in that event, in the Titans of Mavericks. Like, he's a part of the story of Mavericks. You know, like, somewhere, somebody at the ASP needs to go, you know what, Peter, go do it. You know what, that's part of your legacy, that's part of your DNA, that's part of who you are. It would be silly of us. It does us more harm not to have you in it. I'm sort of surprised that Peter Mel's not in the Titans of Mavericks.
0: Maybe the ASP stance is, we want the Titans of Mavericks to prove that they are a credible entity after a year or two, and if it well, proves, this doesn't
1: have to do with the ASP though. This just has to do with with Peter Mel wanting no, to. But my does Peter is, Mel want to do this event? But my point is, should you, Peter Mel be in this my event? My
0: point is, are you going to let Peter Mel go down the street and compete in some, you know, local community competition or something? Why not?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's this is, and we both know this is a little bigger than that. No, it is. But and, as an extreme example, right? It's but, like why not? Like like yeah, I don't look, know. this is Peter Mell's DNA. Like he's part of this spot as much as any other of the surfers, you know, of uh, you know, except for maybe Jeff Clark, there's only you know, there's a handful of guys like Flea, right. Grant Washburn, and Peter Mel's right there at yeah. the top three guys you name, you know? And it just seems like you know, somebody should let him do this event If in fact he wants to do it And I would assume he would These are all of his guys This is his spot He's lived and breathed it for 20 years Or whatever it is Right And it just seems like the smart play is to let him go Let right. him go do his event And by the way The ASP is going to get some positive PR out of it Yeah
0: No, I agree Interesting
1: um, Who was the first surfer to win the Eddie Cal event? Uh and what year was it? The Quicksilver in Memory of Eddie Cow. I have It was no 1985, idea. 1986. I have no idea, dude. Denton Miyamura from Hawaii. Wow. I don't even I don't even know if it was at Waimea Bay that year. I want to say it might have been at, at uh Haleiva or something. I could be wrong.
0: Wow. Interesting. Denton, man.
1: I thought there was another what guy. What happened to Denton? There was another guy that I thought did surfed in it and won it but anyway um anyway that's 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 what's happening with quicksilver and the potential eddie and by the way we are set up for a really um uh, mark sponsor puts out this great forecast on Stormsurf.com i've never heard about that (laughs) it's a video i'm a big fan obviously and i watched it again last night and he's basically saying that we are in a guaranteed moderate level el nino It's not a full-blown El Nino, but it's all the signs over the past months are leading us to believe that everything's in perfect sync. All of the data that we have suggests that, in fact, we are in it right now, and it is happening, and we are set up for a winter of not huge surf, but consistent storm production in the Northeast Pacific, so that we're going to see a lot of, you know, decent-sized swells. And furthermore, the data seems to suggest that we're also set up for the El Nino to not only continue into next year and into next summer, but to then strengthen and be better. So it seems that the data would suggest we're set up for a series of years of El Nino. Hmm. Whether that plays out is yet to be determined, but uh, based on all the stuff on uh, Mark Sponsor's forecast video uh, we're, we're lined up for that, which is good for the Eddie I Cal, right? And good for all the big wave events.
0: Well, I uh, don't know what the waves have been like in other parts of the world where people listen to this show, but in Southern California, we've had the longest run of consistent kind of back-to-back swells that I remember having ever. I mean, it's been months on end of just like super fun surf and huge surf with the Hurricane Marie and whatever the one that came after that was ivan or something yeah i forget the one that was after marie but yeah it's been insane yeah and warm
1: yeah water's still warm here and you know we've got the super typhoon off of japan right now we've got hurricane vance down in baja off mainland mexico so you know this late into the season we're into the first week of november and we've got these you know crazy typhoons and tropical weather sort of in the equatorial zone i mean um I don't know if you're into the science of El Nino, but I find it fascinating. And Mark's, Mark's video is very, you know, it's laden with some heavy jargon and a lot of scientific stuff, and it might be a turnoff for a lot, but as sort of a, um, you know, like a couch forecaster, I, I get a lot out of it. And I, re- I really enjoy it.
0: Is that where you do your forecast from every day? No, no, no. The couch?
1: No, no I'm, I'm, uh, I'm out and about.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Tell me about it. How's that been going?
1: Uh, it goes great. Yeah, I give the I give the surf forecast every every day on NPR. This is your
0: opportunity to sell it, dude.
1: I, look, I I do the surf forecast. You can you can get it at boardroomshow.com. The surf report for San Diego County is up every single morning, and um, it's an audio report. So you just click on it on your mobile phone. And if you live in San Diego County, it may or may not be uh, something you want to tune into. If you're outside of the area, you're not going to get much from it other than you know. A minute of how the waves are in San Diego.
0: And what time of day do you record it?
1: Or post it. I recorded it at dawn. It gets posted probably around six thirty between six thirty and seven. Every single day? Seven yeah. days a week. Seven days a week.
0: Holy cow. Yeah. That's a commitment.
1: Well, you know what? It's service. Community service. I it helps me with my Titans of Mavericks push. I've got my community service checked off there. Now all I only need to do is go there and hang out and surf there all the time. <laughs> spend is, time in the water. Which is yeah. not gonna happen.
0: Well, maybe if you do enough community service, it'll trump It'll trump water my time, time in the water at yeah. the Mavericks event, You'll right. get the invite.
1: Yeah. Never know.
0: Um, no. So how long have you been doing? I mean, I know you've been oh, doing it doing- forever, but like with this level of consistency and posting.
1: Uh, well, posting it on boardroom right. show. Because um, that looked uh, new to me. As a separate audio. Got it. Format is new. Okay. I've been doing it maybe three weeks. Right. Um, but I've been doing the surf report on the radio in San Diego since 05. Um, right. Awesome. So coming up on 10 years.
0: Well, congratulations. You're a hero, dude. No, no, no. (laughs) On your community Uh, service
1: effort. Oh, okay.
0: No, it is. Yeah. It's a service to everybody. Yeah. Um, Do you have dukes and kooks and must-see moments? Well, you know,
1: last week we talked about, um, I asked you to, to think about the top five surf brands. What are the top five surf brands right now? Sort of based on, you know, just your overall feel, your overall vibe, your gut feeling on what you think are the top five surf brands. And um, I did some thinking about it and I came up with my top five surf brands. And um, I'll give them to you now. I think the number one, this is sort of like the power rankings. This could change next month, you know, based on, on what happens. But um, I would suggest to you that right now, the number one surf brand is Hurley. The number two surf brand is GoPro. The number three surf brand is Rip Curl. The number four surf brand, four and five were sort of, it was hard for me to to decipher between which one, you know, had more power here. Um, but I went with Lost Surfboards as the number four and Channel Islands as the number five. But again, I think you could flip-flop those and you could certainly argue Channel Islands as maybe the number four. Um, it sort of depends what time of year you do these things, you know, heading into Hawaii, you know, Lost has got Mason Ho on board. He's got, um, Matt Biolis has got some other, you know, he's got Chris Ward. Of course, Channel Islands has got an incredible team. Yeah, that is Channel Islands surfboards are in your face everywhere you go, especially when you're watching the webcasts. Uh, but so are the so is the Mayhem label. So those are my top five power rankings of surf brands. Um, and you know, speaking of Rip Curl, the Rip Curl GPS watch came out. It's they're they're doing a big push for that watch as a Christmas item, an accessory item. Uh, the GPS watch, which is kind of neat. It's got some neat features. It'll, you know, give you your wave count. It'll show you, um, you know, how fast you were going. It'll show you the longest wave you caught during your session. And um, there's a little software package that comes with it. And it spits out a little graphic and uh, it's a pretty neat thing. The did rip- you get one? I did not. No, I
0: saw your post and I thought it was very funny.
1: Yeah. I just grabbed my friend. Kaipo Guerrero put up a little thing about his session at Koala Basin. And, at lunchtime, and I saw the opportunity to do a little Photoshop work, and and sort of make light of it. And uh, you so, yeah.
0: used his same aerial view map. No, I that used my own. Session. I went to
1: Google Earth and, and oh, took a did. photo. Yeah, took a, okay.
0: And then your your distances and all that, in your speed and all that sort of thing, was obviously photoshopped and made. Yeah, up. Yeah, the whole thing
1: was photoshopped based Give us on some
0: of the jokes. What were some? Of well, the, jokes? the
1: idea was that I surfed Carter Reef during so-called gentleman's hour i right. i caught four waves of those four waves i was dropped in on seven times by stand up paddleboarders right my max speed was 0. 0.36 miles per hour right and um, six of those seven times of those stand up paddleboarders looked at me and went sorry bro i didn't see you so i don't know how well that plays on radio but it was a graphical parody it was of funny parody.
0: it was funny did you notice the one comment of somebody going Oh, there must be a glitch in the in the software because it shows that you went left.
1: I did. <laughs> that person knows that I only go right. I will go left, but it's got to be a good one, and you'll know because I'll be screaming at you.
0: <laughs> Savvy listener, though. That was yeah. Because I mean, we've cool. That was, talked cool. About that was it Adam co- Neal. Yeah, Adam Neal did that. We've talked about it a couple times that you don't go left, but it's been months since that came up in conversation.
1: Well that's sort of my ongoing joke that I don't go left. I of course do go left. I go left quite a bit, but well, I always now the joke isn't as funny. Well, the you thing, just pulled back the curtain. Well, here's the deal is like where I surf, it's a it's a split peak situation. Yeah. So people are always paddling out and going, "Hey, are you, you know, are you going left?" and I was going, "No, I quit going left when I turn 40." That's the line I always use. Right. Unless it's a good one, in which case you'll hear me screaming at you. Right. Not so funny. So, yes. I do not have a kook or duke. Do you okay. have a
0: cooker duke? I do as a matter of fact.
1: I'm going to give my Duke.
0: Well, actually, let's start with kook. Kook Julian Wilson. Wow.
1: You're, Calling out Julian Wilson.
0: Kind, kind of a... Kook
1: of the week.
0: A, a, under the radar kook. Under the radar kook. You, you know had to why? dig for
1: this kookdom.
0: Well, why? here's what's shocking about Julian Wilson. All right. Arguably one of the best surfers in the world. Really one of my favorites if I really had to kind of pick. But he's in danger for not re-qualifying. Really? Can you believe that? I find that hard to believe. He's sitting in 21st place, and 22 is the cutoff. Wow. He's in 21st going into Hawaii, which at Pipeline, I don't know that he's really ever done that well at Pipeline. So if the people below him on the ratings do better than him, they could bump him down a couple spots. And in the last event, he got bumped down four spots. From 17 to 21
1: so he's on the bubble at pipe is he's what you're on telling the bubble at pipe and which, is he doing any of those qs's in Brazil that, that so will help him that's a six star in Brazil or a prime
0: I I don't think it's a prime I don't know what it is but um the reason why he's my kook not only is he in danger for not requalifying but he hasn't been doing the prime events so it's like he's found himself in a position where he's like in you know, 20, He's in Jordy
1: Smith land where he's just too comfortable. He's got too, he's got it too good. He's not really thinking. He doesn't have the eye of the tiger.
0: And he's not in the top 10 on the QS either. He's way down the rankings on the QS. So now he's looking at it with his back up against the wall going, I basically need a result at Pipe. What does now, he
1: need? Do you know what he needs at Pipe? Julian? I don't. We need to figure that. That'll be interesting. I don't
0: know that you can figure it because there's so many other guys Variables. who are also yeah. going to, yeah. you know. So he is doing the Brazil event. So hopefully he'll gain points there. And then I'm sure he'll do the three events in Hawaii or the two QS events in Hawaii plus pipe. So he could requalify, but the point is... There's some pressure on Julian Julian, your back's against the wall. You're a kook for even being in this predicament. Right. Now, to lose in round three over and over again this season could be a fluke and it could happen to anybody, but to not back it up with the primes is just a poor career move. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, where's your manager?
0: Yeah. Cook move, Julian. What's up, dude? All right. All right.
1: Duke. Duke Kahanamoku. Dorian Doc Paskowitz. Good call, my friend. What a great call. Do you know why? Yeah, because they had written him off as dead, and he's come back, and he's back with us, and he's living, and he's he's going to Fiji. and uh, I'm so stoked for Doc. I love that guy. He's going to Fiji? Well, that was the, the, the latest on Facebook, was that the Paskowitz brothers were going to take him out of the hospital and take him to Fiji for one last adventure. <laughs> Epic. So, I mean... It's I would it should be noted that, you know, on Facebook, why don't you tell the listeners what happened? That's on what I'm Facebook. gonna say. I, I don't want to I don't wanna
0: start this story by saying it was reported that Doc Paskowitz passed away incorrect it was incorrectly reported because it wasn't ever really reported. It's just people on Facebook reported it. Right. You know, no no credible news sources or magazine published publications or anything like that reported it, but the reality is Dorian Paskowitz is nearing the end of his life. Right. And I think he's 93 years old or 94 years old. Yeah. And he's lived a great full life. And I'll get into that in a moment. But um, somebody... Let me just
1: say that I've had him on this show twice. And he's the greatest guest you've ever... (laughs) He's such a great radio guest. Is he really? Oh, my. He goes on and on and on. And it's fascinating. And he's very, uh, you know, opinionated. And he's very passionate. And uh, he's just a great guy.
0: Well, a couple people posted on Facebook that he had passed away, which of course, then there was threads of people commenting, rest in peace and all that sort of thing. The reality is he has not passed away, but he is kind of, you know, spending a lot of time in bed these days. So the quick, um, history of doc, I'll give you the very abbreviated version. Cause it's extensive. Have you seen
1: Surfwise the movie? Hold
0: on. That's my must see moment okay. in connection. But yes, I have, um, Born in 1921 and began surfing at the age of 12 in Galveston, Texas, moved to San Diego in 34, became one of the first regulars at San Onofre. He got his um, medical degree from Stanford University, and so he was a practicing doctor, set up shop in Waikiki in Hawaii and treated people for free. He ended up um, going to Israel brought a surfboard to Israel, and kind of planted surfing there with, quote, the hopes of getting Arabs and Jews to go surfing together, unquote. In 1975, he wrote the first of nearly 30 columns for Surfer Magazine, where he mixed surfing history with health, diet, and fitness advice. In the 1980s, he developed a surf camp slash psychiatric clinic, specializing in therapy for kids with drug problems and or personality disorders. It was sponsored by Tommy Hilfiger. Tommy Hilfiger did a line of Paskowitz Surf Camp t-shirts that sold in his stores. And Paskowitz really gained a lot of notoriety. Not, of course, in the surf industry only, but New York Times did an article on him. GQ Magazine, People Magazine, Sports Illustrated, and many others. And basically, all of that, but he's really best known for traveling the U.S., with his nine kids in a 24-foot camper abandoning his medical career and living kind of like nomads with his family in his camper traveling the U.S. and spreading love and goodwill, working for free in medical clinics, and um, surfing with his family and living this kind of raw nomadic lifestyle. That's what he's best known for.
1: Yeah, and and that's very much the abbreviated version. There's a lot of drama and a lot of interesting uh, detail. Uh, in you know with his life and so uh, surfwise go ahead with that's surfwise that's my must see moment yeah, yeah tell
0: us about surfwise it's a documentary 2007
1: yeah just a great documentary on the on Dorian and his family on um, the Pasquitz clan and um i would be butchering it if i tried to summarize it i would just suggest that this is not a surf movie this is a film about um american society through the really interesting prism of of a, a unique and um um Different family.
0: Well, I kind of painted this with a rosy glow and pointed out some highlights of good work that he did. But the reality is, and the documentary gets into it, there's a lot of controversial things that he did as well.
1: Yeah. There's some dark side, just like any family, all of our families, we have you know dark moments. And uh, that's but, what makes the movie so good.
0: But I would argue also that Doc doesn't view them as dark moments. These are things that Doc lived out in the open that look controversial from the outside looking in. And even some of his kids step up and say that they're dark and controversial. But Doc lived by these things. A lot of it has to do with sexual practices, um, nudity. You know, I mean, even in the documentary, one of the opening segments of him is doing nude yoga and spent riding the spin bike naked in his living room. And um, so he's very comfortable with sexuality and nudity. And they're in a, again, traveling the the country in a 24 foot camper with nine kids. And he and his wife are comfortable having sex in that environment with
1: the kids right there. You know, so the real dark stuff is that he as a father, um, some of the children would suggest, I think, that that he drove them pretty hard and that some of them wish they had a, had had maybe a more conventional childhood. And so there's some there's some conflict there, which makes the movie very interesting.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. And Doc himself never watched the movie. Doc did not like the movie. Doc was anti the movie. He was. Which is weird because his interviews that he gives in the movie are so candid and so open. You know, I'm wondering where there was... I, I just
1: think he knows the power of editing and and if it's something that he didn't have control over, I don't think he was a big fan of it. You know, yeah. I think he wanted to control the message.
0: Which made me apprehensive to recommend it as the must-see moment <laughs> because it's like it's a great movie. I mean, okay,
1: it's it's totally worth seeing, and um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't take away any any of the love that all of us have for <clears throat> for Dorian.
0: Oh, are you welling up right no, now in tears? A, I wish I was uh, no. There's something but in your I eyes? Could,
1: I could I could easily cry over him because he's such a great. I, I'm just such a big fan of his, but um, no, I just got something stuck in my throat here. Of course, uh, <clears throat> I need a hit
0: of your water. Not not gonna happen. Sorry. That's horrible. Look it. I'm going to share. That's nice. Don't put your lips on the bottle, dude.
1: I don't know what you got.
0: There's Ebola going around right now. <laughs> I can't drink.
1: <laughs> now you're making me laugh. Um, I'm not going to be able to do this.
0: Okay. So, <laughs> the by the way, the documentary SurfWise is, is available on Netflix for free. If you have a Netflix account, you can just stream it instantly. And I'm sure you can find it Thank elsewhere, you. too. So, check that Thank out. Thank you. Yeah, there's, there's a couple other webland-related stuff that I'll post. On Surf Splendor podcast, right? Uh, surf Splendor podcast right now. You can find them basically once this episode's posted. But just interesting surf-related web stuff. Kelly Slater surfing the cave yeah. in Portugal mm, is worth so watching. Cool. I found a video too, um, which is RC surfer versus the real surfer. Have you ever seen this? Yes. It was posted a year. I have or two pictures.
1: I first of all, a remote control surfer has run me over and dinged my board. Really? I also have pictures of an RC surfer cutting me off. And, um, who's, who's controlling this thing? The one time at Swami's just, I don't know who the guy was, but I was out surfing by myself, super small day on my longboard. And this remote control surfer just came and started doing circles around me (laughs) and eventually ran over my board and put a ding in it.
0: It's hilarious. There's a video that (laughs) somebody was.
1: Somebody in the parking lot was laughing out loud.
0: There's a video I found, which is exactly that. Yeah. I don't think it's you, it's but not. it's this guy That's what, yeah. on a longboard just getting tormented by yes. this RC surfer. And, and it's like a like, little gnat. It is. And then he picks it up. He's surfing on a wave, and this thing's cutting him off. So he actually reaches down, picks it up, and throws it. But the thing's designed to always land on its feet, so then it lands and then starts surfing the wave again. It's just hilarious. Yeah. So I'll post that video among a couple others that are. Worthwhile. Those
1: remote control surfers are neat to watch. Yeah, they Like are. I saw one at Malibu this summer, and the guy was absolutely shredding. You know, and it was big Malibu, so it was like thirty foot faces yeah. for the remote control surfer. It's awesome. It was cool. The
0: one in this video like stomps in air. Nice. <laughs> so. All right, well, that's all I got for okay. today, Scott Yeah, Bass. today's
1: the day to vote, too, so I hope you voted. I know you did, David, because you're a civic-minded individual. And, uh, of course, I voted as well, and um, yeah. Uh, well, you know what I want to do? I do want to say this. I'm ramping up the Boardroom Surf Show's YouTube channel with a ton of interviews, and I'm going to be doing a bunch of more uh, interviews and surfboard-related stuff. So uh, if you get a chance, go over to YouTube and check out my channel and subscribe, the Boardroom, Surf show. I'd appreciate that. Do you and have
0: a link to it from your website?
1: I will. I'll put it all up on uh, down the line surf talk radio. What's my website? Is it downlineradio.com? Yeah. Downlineradio.com is where you'll find this podcast. And my email, surftalksandiego at gmail.com. That's how you can get a hold of me. My Twitter is at boardroom show.
0: I'm not helping you anymore. And my Instagram is- This is your responsibility, My Instagram
1: is at boardroom surf.
0: All right. Well, David, mine is uh, surfsplendorpodcast.com. Hello at surfsplendorpodcast and uh, social media at surfsplendor. And last week's episode, by the way, was with Timmy Curran, catching up with Timmy on his musical career. And one thing I learned about him just in the research, but he actually talked about it on the show- was that he actually quit the world tour because he had celiac disease,
2: hmm. which
0: is the allergy to gluten that everybody thinks they have but actually don't. <laughs> um, he was on the tour and he placed, he was on for like three years and he ranked sixth place, was his best ranking one year, but like literally could not get out of bed at times and was just miserable. And because he knew he had stomach problems, he was then just like, only eating bread and pasta, which, of course, is full of gluten. So it was making him worse. And so quit mid-season, you know, Mm. was flying down to the J-Bay event and just decided I can't make it, flew home and quit. And that's why he disappeared so abruptly from kind of the surf scene and then finally figured out what the allergy was. And of course, you can't really re-qualify at that point. But uh, that's what happened to Timmy, the short version. But he's right. had a successful career in music since then. So listen to that episode of Surf Splendor.
1: Okay, we Don't will. Cut me off, Scott. We will do that. Surfsplendor.com. No, Surfsplendorpodcast.com. Thank you. And uh, until next time, adios and aloha.
0: All right. Thank you for tuning in. Of course, as always, thank you, Scott Bass, for taking the reins and uh, taking the pressure off me and helping host the show. We Scott and I kind of forgot to mention um, the, uh, the Triple Crown is starting soon. And actually right now, as I'm recording this, I'm watching the qualifying event for the Sunset Beach QS event, qualifying series event. Uh, And Jamie O'Brien's in the water, Poncho Sullivan, Tanner Hendrickson, bang, Poncho just wrapping one of his huge turns, which uh, I thought was worth noting. Poncho just looks incredible and uh, never seems to go out of style. That power surfing at Sunset Beach, he's riding a 6'8", which just looks silly when he's holding it, but he's really able to turn that thing. So incredible viewing that isn't all that different than the surfing that was being done 10 and 15 years ago but it just never really goes out of style and ponchos among the best at it so that's exciting and again this is the qualifying event for the qualifying series event and um, so all that is on the dock and you should definitely tune in for that in the coming weeks it's going to be an exciting time in hawaii The couple details and orders of business that I always have to remind everyone is simply to share this show with friends. That's the only way that this show grows. We simply produce the content, but we rely on you to distribute it. So if you like the content and you want to ensure that you hear more of it, we need more listeners all the time. We need to ensure that this show grows. Simply share one episode with a friend each time you hear it and encourage them to do the same. And uh, you have thus far, and that's how the show's grown. So we're grateful, and the strategy's working, and the snowball is gaining momentum. So let's just keep it going, all right? Social media is the best place to do that, at Surf Splendor. Instagram, Twitter, and then, of course, Facebook.com forward slash uh, Surf Splendor. And as I mentioned in the show, everything that we discussed in today's show All the web videos, links to the articles, imagery, all that stuff is on surfsplendorpodcast.com where there is also an archive of every single episode of Surf Splendor and it's all free if you can believe that. So probably upwards of a 100 hours of surf content completely free. And I've gotten emails from listeners who have, you know, four hour commutes daily two hours one way two hours the other and they said that they burn through once they found the show they kind of burn through all the back episodes and uh, they actually want more than one show a week which is daunting for me but uh perhaps we'll get to that goal at some point in the future as long as it keeps growing i guess we will have reason to uh, pursue that goal so I appreciate that feedback. You can always send it to us through the website or on social media. So I encourage you to do so. And I guess that's it for now. We'll be back with a new episode of Surf Splendor next week. Until then, this is your host, David Scales, simply saying thank you for listening. And until next week, ciao. (laughs)